grunt work, I thought, was really done. I thought like year one, we proved the concept, we raised the capital, we're hiring some people. My coach called me at the end of that year and was like, hey, what do I have to do to get you back? Because we want to win some games next year. Welcome back to the Compound Podcast. This is the Anthony Rizzo episode, episode 44. I was so confused. I thought you were saying Rizzo. I was like, I don't think we got Rizzo today. Riz isn't coming on. I think he has cornrows and is in the Bahamas, but it's episode 44, so it's the Anthony Rizzo episode. And guess what? It's still brought to you by Parse Rum. Still brought to you by Parse Rum. Even in 2021, we're brought to you by Parse Rum. First episode of the new year, little hiatus last week. I hope everyone missed us. I hope we were missed. We got a few tweets. I had a couple tweets saying, like, we need an emergency episode after the Darvish trade. Like, how are we feeling? And I was like, well, I don't think you'll like what a lot of people have to say. It was it was tough out there with the Darvish trade. That's the tough one because, like, Dom's our guy, and that's, like, his guy. Like, bad news is, like, he created bad news. Like, that was his baby that he took under his wing and said, like, I'm going to defend Darvish till the day I die. He had to have been the most active Twitter user in the last week. He was breaking reports. Yep. Between <laughs> he was he was breaking the trade. I was like, how does this guy know? Literally between Darvish and the Bears chasing a playoff spot, he is the most active user on Twitter. Defending Darvish and defending Trubisky. Yes. But not only did we lose Darvish, we also lost Caratini. Did you guys play with Caratini in the minor leagues at all? Yeah, I played with him in Iowa in 19 or 18. 18? He was there in 18. Such yeah. a good dude. The best. And yeah. Vic and I played together from 2016 until last year, so five seasons. So we got really close, played together, came up together. Um, and that's he's somebody that I will very much miss because, like, sneaky hilarious. That's why I think that's why him and Darvish get along <laughs> so well is because they're both very funny. That's what I was going to say. I go, I I think it's gotten out to the media now more, like their bromance they kind of have. But I noticed it in spring. It was like, these guys love each other. Like, they love to just mess with each other, and it is hilarious. They, would, really yell is. Across, they would yell stuff, like, across the locker room to each other, and it's so funny. Yeah, their dynamic is just they're always making fun of each other. Do you think but, Darvish said, like, I need Caratini with me? Like, is it kind of like a personal? I know he caught him like the last two years and he's thrown well to him, but like, is it kind of like a personal catcher thing? I bet you teams knew after scouting Darvish for the last couple of years, they're like, if you're going to take, if you're going to go get Darvish, like you have to get Caratini. Like there's no, there's no in between. There's no, you don't get one without the other. Cause he has to be the hardest guy to catch in the entire, like he, he has to be the hardest guy to catch. He has the most pitches. It's you don't have enough fingers to put down for a pitch. And you don't want to sit there if you have – I mean, he literally has like eight different pitches. And it's like, well, you don't want to sit there and shake through seven of them to get to the one he wants. Like, you have yeah. to have a good repertoire with the guy. Did you see their conversation that got on Twitter? Yeah, that was hilarious too. Caratini sent him the picture of the trade, and he said, like, he gone. And then Darvish said, yeah, you too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> the fact that they communicate to each other in English when that's both of their second language is hilarious too. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, because Darvish will try to like say some stuff in Spanish or like pick up a couple words in Spanish, and but I mean Caratini's got no chance with the Japanese, so it's very funny to hear them uh, talk in English and try to figure out what each other is saying. They also are much better at English. Or Darvish is much better at English than people think as well. Caratini, Caratini too. Caratini yeah, is a translator. Both, Caratini's yeah. like fluent in both. Dakota, do you remember when Hatch was in Bigley camp before us and he was locker next to Darvish? And yeah. he was like, bro, Darvish speaks completely fine English. It's like a running joke with him. He's like, yeah, I like to think people – I like to make people think I don't speak English. He likes to have a translator because he didn't like that to do the interviews <laughs> in English. But he's had, yeah, Thomas Hatch told us that. He's like, I mean, he speaks perfectly good English. Like, I don't know why he won't do it. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to have confidence. Like, he, even like a one on one conversation, he'll get to a word that he doesn't know or can't think of the right word and he'll have to. Google Translate it, like look it up to get the right word because he's so smart that he doesn't want to ever say the wrong thing. So he'll always Google Translate it and look it up and then tell you the word that he's trying to 
find. And I don't think he wants to do that in every interview because he never wants to say, he always wants to say the right thing. I think part of that is the Japanese media. Like he never wants to say one thing wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the Padres doing? The Padres are saying, here's my big uh, stack of chips. I'm pushing them all in the middle. They're They're trying to catch the Dodgers some way, somehow. They are saying, I mean, I bet they throw cash at Bauer now too. They're probably just like, let's have Bauer, Darvish, and Snell. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Do they have any? Do they have any holes? Bullpen? Who's, who's in their pen? Kirby Yates is he still there? Their closer? Was he, wasn't he hurt? I honestly don't know their bullpen. Well, uh, next on. year they'll have Clevinger back. Hey, on. Let uh, let our research team get Not on in it. the pen, but the research team is on it. Uh, oh, they also have uh, the what's his name, Lamet or Lamet? The oh, right, yeah. I He's a starter, though, right? The Nelson Lamet. That's what I'm saying. Like, how good is that rotation? And everybody in their system anyway throws 100, so whoever comes up is just going to fill whoever's shoes right away. I mean, That's true. They're one of those organizations that has a bunch of guys that throw them. Down. I mean, their infield is Will Myers, Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. You got Eric Hosmer. Uh, you got Tommy Pham in the outfield. Um, well, yeah, Tommy Pham's over there. Yeah, you got Caratini now to catch. You got Austin Nola to catch. I mean, they had – oh, they signed that uh, – uh, what is he, Japanese player? Oh, he's right, Korean. yeah. Yeah, I think he's Korean. Yeah, but he's supposed to be like a big signing. Yeah. Someone – I showed you, Dakota. Someone said on Twitter, it was like, wow, they just got Darvish. Now they only lose to the Dodgers by seven games in the West. Yeah. But the thing is, is their roster now is like this – I mean, yeah. they can compete with the Dodgers now. Right. With that did rotation, you, you can compete with – they're the best. Did team. you see the Dodgers are in talks – or not in talks, but they're very interested in LeMahieu too? Yeah, hey. He's not leaving New York. The Yankees might be dragging their feet a little bit too much on him. Maybe, hey, maybe at the eleventh hour, Ed Hoyer comes in and says, "DJ, come to the North Side." I, I'm just saying. There's I did. No, there's no. There's nothing to back that statement. By the way, Cubs fans, don't get too excited. Started breaking news. I heard a hot take on Lemayhew that the Yankees were like, "We're not going to negotiate against ourselves. Just go out, and if you get a number, we know you're going to come back to us." Like. You're going to check in with us before you make a decision anyway. Go right. shop yourself, get a number, and then we know you're going to come back and say, this is the number, match it, and then because, they'll match it. Because but you know I'll why? Say, you're going to take a look at right field. You see where that fence is, and guess what? You're not going to leave that. My only argument against that is they did that with Robbie Cano, and he left. They said, we're not going to pay you that much. See ya. Great point. And then they've maybe, been searching for a second baseman for a while since then. Maybe they knew about the juice puppy. Yeah, they might have. Maybe. Hopefully not. Hopefully they didn't know. <laughs> is Darvish Other the number one there now? Yeah. I think you flip a coin. I don't know how you could – unless you sign Bauer, and then you could say it's 1A and 1B. But Darvish, I'd take Dar- – no offense. I mean, that's not knocking Blake Snell or uh, – Who else do they have? Paddock and the other guy? Wow, they have Paddock too. My God. Yeah, I mean, that's not knocking anybody else. But, I mean, Darvish is your ace. Like, if I'm if I'm a team, he's my ace no matter who I am. Except I think it's like, hilarious – I think it's hilarious that they went and got Blake Snell, and it was like, oh, wow, they went and got an ace. And then within 12 hours, it was like, oh, my God. I still couldn't believe that, like, the Darvish thing picked up so much traction. You know, like, it's the offseason. Everything's going slow. I saw a report. It was like, the Padres are in talks with Darvish and the Cubs. And it's like, okay. Like, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, you know what? I'm not falling for your clickbait. I'm not clicking it. And then literally that later that night, it was like, this deal is everything but done. It was like, what? That yeah, was, dropped by Dom. Dom was the first guy to break it, too. I will say, in return, getting Davies, welcome to the Cubs, um, we we have some soft toss and righties, but that know how to throw the baseball and put it wherever they want it. We're playing, we're playing ball in the early 2000s. We got three righties throwing between 84 and hey. 91, and we're going to paint the corners. Easy with the 84. Right? Don't talk about Kyle like that. Kyle Kyle was actually throwing like 86 and he touched an 89, might have touched a 90 this year. He was he was humming it. I saw something that if we re-sign Lester, we'll have four of the 10, I think, lowest average velocities in baseball for fastball. Listen, baseball has gone to velo velo velo. Who's going to be the first team yep. to go to command? We're Maybe saying we're going crafty and we're going to put the ball where we want it. Yeah. 
And you don't want you don't want your starter to throw a hundred and the guy of the pen to throw a hundred. Have your starter just lull him to sleep. Then the dude's in the pen. Bang. Now mm-hmm. now we're doing now we're doing some trickery. I like it. Before, before we have uh our guest today on, it's Chris Bryant's birthday. We're gonna see if we can call him and wish him a happy birthday. I hope this works. I got real low real I already low. text I already texted him today. Did he text back? He did text back. It, wow. I think it's 4.30 there, Nevada. No, they're yeah. West Coast. So it's probably 3.30. Like 3.30. Well, it's better than being East Coast where it's 6.30 beating dinner. Yeah, I'm getting hungry. You know what that means. Oh, no. What up, dude? Hi, Chris. Oh. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. You're on the uh, Compound Podcast with Zach and Dakota. Happy birthday, KB. Happy birthday, KB. Zach, that's uh, big bro. Happy kind of like, can you hear them? I can kind of hear them. Tell them Zach said happy birthday, big bro. That's funny. You're lucky I picked up. I am lucky. You're so famous that I am lucky you picked up. Zach, Zach said uh, that you're his big bro. <laughs> my, my little bro, he's still kicking. <laughs> Oh my god. Chris, how's your off season? How's Kyler? It is uh you know what? It's been really good. It's been good. We've been staying safe, which is nice. That's wonderful. Um but uh yeah, dude, I I I feel bad. I was like I haven't even I haven't been catching up with anybody. I don't know what anybody on our team or in baseball is doing right now because I'm so preoccupied. So well, I guess that's a good thing. That's what that's what happens in the off season. You spend so many days in a row with people that when the off season comes, you just don't want to talk to anybody. And then yeah, I know. And I feel bad. Like I, I miss you guys, but it's like I'm gonna see you guys soon anyway. So like I'm gonna spend yeah. the rest of the time. I don't I don't need to talk to anybody. But just we'll see, maybe we'll see a month. Does KB know that Darvish got traded uh, at least? One thing I did see was that. Just showed me a picture of Riz has like these like cornrows now. I guess yeah, he's got these. He's in the Bahamas swimming with sharks with cornrows. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> like, what? I mean, what is what is this world coming to? If Anthony Rizzo has cornrows, <laughs> I don't know. I think it, we're just hoping that he shows up to spring training on time. At this point, right? I know. I, that's you know, honestly, I thought that's what you were going to tell me. Give me some news about what's going on in the baseball world, but. <laughs> I'm no. kind of happy to be on your podcast. Yeah, I really just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Uh, one thing before we let you go, uh, you text you texted me today that you're a 3.5 handicap. I've been, you know what? I've been crushing the golf course. I've been doing really well. The wife got me some sweet new wedges, a new putter for Christmas. So like, I'm just killing it. So I, I'm really excited to play some golf in Arizona. I think, dude, I can't wait. We're going to be hitting the links. I know. I mean, I. Oh, Kyler. Kyler's making his. <laughs> oh, no. He's getting his diaper changed. We, uh, the, uh, Jess rented out a whole movie theater for my birthday. Oh, that's, so that's wonderful. We're going to go get out of the house for like the first time in a long time to go watch. I don't even know what. I just wanted to go get some popcorn and sit in the movie theater for the first time in a year. That, that is a sick birthday move. Have a, a you know? wonderful birthday and tell Jess that we love her. Thanks for the call. I feel I feel honored that you called me on my birthday. Got me on the podcast. <laughs> see you, Chris. All right, see you guys later. The fact that he answered that with so much excitement of you calling him fired me up. He goes, "What's up, E?" I'm like, "This guy is excited to be getting your phone call, Ian." I love it. I mean, what a day! Chris Bryant is running out. This is a hot take. This is a news. Chris Bryant is running out of movie theater for his birthday. That's Thanks. a stick. Sick quarantine, like COVID move. Just around the movie theater, have a birthday. I love it. That's the best thing you can do. Safest thing, safest idea. Probably Jess's idea and like a awesome birthday gift. Oh yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'd take I'd take the wedges and the new putter though that he got for Christmas. True, good point. You you always love to hear when people are having great off seasons. So just really enjoying their time off. Yep. Do you expect this is another question? Do you expect to hear from your teammates during the offseason? I mean, I don't know how to say this without sounding bad. Like the people I'm close with, like I talk to Zach pretty much every single day. I talk to Ian. I mean, we talk we all three talk pretty much every day. Like I get what you're saying. Like, I'm not texting say I'm a big leaguer where it's like a group of guys. You know what I'm saying? Like you have KB, Rizzo, Willie, like all those guys are gonna be there. Realistically, I'm probably not 
calling them once a week being like, Hey man, what's up? For the most part, when you see someone for that long, that many days, yep, it's nice to hear from your teammates. Like when your teammate texts you like, Oh, look, my teammate texted me. Yeah. Nico texted me. Nico texted me the other day. I was like, Oh, it's Nico. But like, you're just not staying in touch with them. As you're much. Also, like, I mean, you all have families, like you're all busy. Like it's not yeah. like you're just I'm, sitting around. I'm never offended if someone isn't staying in touch with me. No, I would, I would rather somebody go enjoy their off season than touch in with me, touch base with me once a week. Right. Touch in with me, touch in with you. Huh? Touching you. <laughs> hey, 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 easy, easy. PG 13 podcast. Since post-quarantine, since we left the compound, we've been pretty sports-focused, baseball-focused. We are having on friend of Zach Short, Jordan now friend De- of the pod. Yep. Now friend of the pod, Jordan DeSico, brother of the three DeSico brothers that started Super Coffee, which went on Shark Tank, didn't get a deal, said, ha, 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 now it's worth $200 million. Good for them. <laughs> Not a direct competitor, but maybe like connect hey. both. We're we're both roasting coffee. We're both selling coffee. Might have to. I'm drinking Connect. I don't know. (laughs) I should have bought a super coffee and just drank it like while he was on with us. We did. We did buy super coffee when we were in Arizona to try it. We Uh, yeah. We went on a hunt for it in Target. We did. So they're in Target. If you want to go grab a couple super coffees. Yeah, they are. They got everything. They got K cups. They got ground. They got cold brew. They got creamer. You name it. You know I'm but, but before he comes on, if you're going to get K-Cups or ground coffee, just go to connectgrocers.com. <laughs> Maybe just compare and contrast. Like, try both. <laughs> try both. Like. See which one you like. Yep. This is Jordan DeSico, founder of Super Coffee. I think we need to start. With Zach's terrible hoop game. No, so <laughs> you guys played together in high school, went to high school together, grew up together, correct? Yeah. Yep. And then we're in we're in Arizona this year. I don't know. I think Zach told me about Super Coffee because it was blown up on Instagram. You guys had a great year. Uh, and we went to the local Target to like seek out some Super Coffee to go find it. And Zach was like, so adamant, like, no, I grew up with these guys. Like, you don't even know. I was like, oh, shit, I remember seeing them on Shark Tank. Uh, tell us about that experience. What was that like going on? I know it was probably, what, three years ago now, four years ago? Yeah, so we actually filmed it in, in 2017, um, and it was about eight months until it aired. So I think what we a lot of people don't realize is from the time that we actually filmed it to the time that it aired, we were a completely different company. We had rebranded, reformulated uh, the company had just evolved so quickly, but I think being on the show, you know, we were invited on too. A lot of people didn't realize, you know, there's usually an application process. But they'd reached out to us, one of their producers, and we had never planned, you know, on it. we were so locked in. We were like, it's a distraction. You know, we could raise money from, you know, you know, small group of angels. And we were in the Washington DC area at the time. So it just wasn't even on our radar. But uh, when they reached out, we were like, well, shit, you know, 8 million people watch it. What's the worst that can happen? Is you go on and they hate the product and you get embarrassed. And that's exactly what happened. Right? It was the thing that could happen. Um, but again, 8 million people watch it. So we were like, look, let's just go on. And if the worst <laughs> thing that comes out of it is they hate it, hopefully people will like this story and, and follow the brand. And, you know, as we continue to improve, people will like the product and, and, you know, things will get better. And that's, that's what happened. And it was awesome exposure for the brand. I mean, it worked not just to get, 8 million consumers eyeballs. It's still replaced to this day. So that number is probably much higher now, but um, we used it as validation in the space. There wasn't a lot of food and beverage, beverage specifically companies that have been on the show. Um, so retailers love the story. Distributors love the story, our manufacturing partners. Uh, so everybody was really excited. It kind of put us on the map in the food and beverage space, which opened some new doors. Um, and, you know, you give us an inch, we're going to take it a mile. We still use Shark Tank to this day. And I think it's it's been a, become a part of the brand, even though we didn't get a deal, even though they didn't like the product. Um, it definitely helped early on propel us. Imagine, imagine contemplating whether to go on Shark Tank or not. You go on to raise capital, but there is a risk, right? If you get embarrassed, especially in consumer packaged goods, it's not like, you know, it's literally they, everybody has to like the product and you're going to get a reaction from all of them. Um, and none of them are our target customers either. So we had a feeling that they weren't going to like it. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So it was, I think they're uh, kicking themselves for not investing at this point. 
Well, the, we know that the the one food and beverage guy who was on Rohan was uh was the guest. We definitely know he's kicking himself. We talk to him every every now and then. I don't know if like Cuban or guys like that. I don't think they care. But well, that's what you know. Before you guys went on, our moms were talking, and you guys were you were set on Cuban investing because you were like, bro, we have the basketball background. Like that's our in right there. Totally. And I came out spinning a basketball on my finger. And I was like, we're going to get this guy. He's going he's gonna to love this. And he didn't smile one time. <laughs> I think, you know, we didn't have Mr. Wonderful on our episode and Mark was right in the middle. I think he was kind of playing that role. He was filling that void. Um, and it was really clear to us, too, that none of them, uh, except for the guest, Rohan, knew food or beverage at all. And we watched hundreds of episodes before ours and we realized that there was only a few food and beverage brands, only a few of, of that small chunk got an investment and all those companies went out of business. So we we're like very, very low chance that we get a deal um, because they just don't know the industry and it is a hard industry and they just, they're probably not going to be willing to bet unless they love the product. But we were also like, they probably won't love the product because it wasn't created for them. So we knew going in, the probability was low, but we could still make it a good outcome. And that's ultimately. So were you in the process of redoing the formulation when you went on or was that something that happened after? Yeah, no, we were in the process because where we were at the time was uh, the product had eight grams of sugar in it. Um, We used organic maple syrup, which, you know, again, eight grams compared to 40 grams, which was a Starbucks Frappuccino is still, you know, leaps and bounds better and retailers loved it. And, natural food customers loved it, but we wanted to differentiate even more. So we had started working on some fully ketogenic, sugar-free, all-natural formulas using things like stevia and monk fruit. So we were already working on the formula. And up until that point, we had, you know, very little investment into the actual brand. So, you know, we were doing all the labels from like a freelancer. We didn't hire too many people. So we wanted to do a full brand exercise and rebrand. And we finally had enough capital to do that. So we started that process too. So we had plans to do a rebrand plus full formulas and launch a new product, which is our, our creamer product was launching that year. So again, like when you're a small company, you're changing every, you know, every other month, it seemed like and we were updating labels every other month. We were launching something new. We're still doing that uh, three years later. And I think when that's what the sharks didn't realize was, yeah, you don't like the product today, but give me a week. I can come back with a different formula and you'll love it. Uh, but I think they just, um, kind of underestimated how quickly and how hard we were willing to work to, to improve. Were you and your brothers, like you guys like created the formula like that makes the coffee basically like you put the ingredients together to create it. Yeah. So early on, right. There were, we, we really had zero resources, no experience, no network in the industry. You know, it's not like we have family members in food and beverage or our parents worked in food and beverage. We were completely new to the industry and it was literally just me in my dorm room making shit that, I liked that was good for me that my teammates liked. And, you know, that was kind of how it started. And then as we kind of raised money, you know, we got people from the industry who were willing to bet on us and invest in us and they would give us some of their resources and open up their network. Um, so we, we started meeting with people who actually had, you know, had experience in research and development for specific, uh, whether it be beverage or coffee um, specifically. And uh, at that stage, as you gain more resources, it becomes easier. We work with better manufacturers as you scale. So the process becomes a lot cleaner and, and easier. Uh, but early on, yeah, it was just all us. And that's why the product, ultimately the product they drank was not going to be a good product because it was formulated in my dorm room. But, <laughs> but now, right, you have some of the best, we have some of the best people, you know, in the industry working on our, our stuff. And we can't put a product out unless we know it's going to do well. Um, so it's just a much different company three years later than it was. Um, but again, I think the sharks were a little scared of food and beverage and, and didn't fall in love with the product immediately. So back to you saying that you created it in your dorm room, obviously me growing up with you, I knew what kind of student you were and I knew you were basketball 100%, you know? So when this first came out and you told us that you had a coffee thing going, we were just like, all right, who made it? There's no way that your dumbass made this who I grew up with and went to school with. There's no way that you're up there in your dorm room putting together chemicals and, you know, a little bit of ingredients to make something healthy that you're trying to sell for your teammates. And it was just, it was like a running joke throughout all of our friends. Like, all right, who's making Jordan's drink? Yeah, no, exactly. I think, uh, I think the good thing about that is um, the competitive spirit was definitely fueled me early on and just like that obsessive nature with wanting to to do something and be good at it. And I think going to school for business was awesome because to your point, I hated school my entire life. 
Um, I never loved the process. I never thought the teachers were bought in and I never wanted to learn what they were teaching me. And, you know, as soon as I went to, to college, I, you know, was studying business and I fell in love with it. And it was like just a really fun, dynamic uh, part of the world that I had no knowledge or insight to, right? Our parents, obviously, as you know, had nothing to do with it. Um, you know, we had an uncle who, who was a successful businessman, which always piqued our interest because he had a lot of money, um, but we didn't really knew or understood what he did. Um, and when I started learning about it, it was really uh, reminiscent of just high performing teams. Like good businesses are really just high performing teams, great cultures. You, you work with people you, you love. And it was the same thing on the basketball court, right? Same thing, baseball. Like the best teams were the ones that had obviously great players, but also that chemistry and culture that you can replicate. And so not only did I fall in love with creating a product that was healthy, fit my lifestyle, fit what I wanted to do, but also fell in love with, more importantly, building a great company and surrounding ourselves with with incredible people who want to make a difference. So, you know, we can revert back to when we're getting up shots one day at the Y, early morning, whatever it is on a snow day, and someone mm-hmm. came up to you and said, hey, however many years from now, you're going to be a businessman and you're not going to be playing in the NBA. How quickly would you have fought them? I probably would have just laughed. <laughs> I don't know what, what you're talking about. I mean, it sounds nice, but I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Probably would have just brushed it off and ignored it. And um, <laughs> even in college, I probably would have said the same thing. Like, even though I was starting to fall in love with it, I didn't realize how quickly, like, I would never say I'm giving up a full scholarship. I worked my whole life for it. For, I'm going to school for free. Like, my, and my parents would let me do it. But literally, it just turns out um, it was just so much fun. I fell in love with it. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Which one of your brothers was the first one to be like, all right, we're going to do this? Yeah, it was funny. So uh, neither of them for the first uh, <laughs> few months. And I was selling them both hard. Um, but then finally, so I was a freshman and I started it in October when I really actually started. So very early on in my freshman year, um, and I was kind of creating formulas and every time they'd come up to visit for a game or something, I'd give it to them and say, Hey, try this out. Like, it's really good. And they'd say, no, it's not. Shut up. And uh, <laughs> wait, wait, we have to say that, you know, Jimmy was working on wall street and then Jake was still at Georgetown, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that, that spring of my freshman year, Jake was finishing up his junior year. And I had kind of pitched him and Jake was kind of always the risk taker, more entrepreneurial than Jim. And Jim's, you know, a little bit more conservative and uh, more pessimistic. So he didn't really have the the vision or belief. Um, But Jake, Georgetown's a great entrepreneurial school and they had a summer launch program. So I said, JK, why don't, you know, I think I'm going to work on this over the summer. Would you want to work with me? Jake was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Maybe we can do something, um, you know, with Georgetown. So we applied for a pitch competition. So answering your question Ian Jake was the first one to kind of bite on it after six months we applied for a pitch competition at Georgetown University and there's probably 60 to 75 Georgetown MBAs who are you know know a lot about business right we know nothing they know a lot they've been in school for for a lot of years at Georgetown uh, doing it at a high level and we came in like the top five Um, and it's because we didn't know anything and all we were showing the judges who were actual you know actually had experience was that we were solving a problem that was very simple, right? We showed them the market. We showed them a ton of case studies because it just felt natural to us. It was like, you know, we use examples like Honest Tea and what Honest Tea did to brands like Snapple and Arizona, just coming out with an organic, less sweet tea and then selling to Coca-Cola for a few hundred million dollars. Or we showed examples of like Chobani yogurt and what they did to Danone and Yoplait and how they became a billion dollar brand and vitamin water and when they came onto the scene and sold. So we just try to make it very familiar, very relatable. Um, and then we used our sports background, obviously, to to get them excited about the type of company and culture we wanted to build. Um, so Jake, Jake kind of jumped on first. And then Ian, from there, we were able to convince Jim uh, a few months later at the end of that summer. And that's when I decided to, to drop out of school. Um, and amazing on a full ride to be like, I'm good. Like, we're going to do this. Like, that's... You got to be crazy. Yeah, you have to. That's be. going all in. That's saying, hey, fuck it. Let's see what happens. And then you did. You went back, though, right? Because... We came, yeah. oh, we came and saw you play up in Albany. Yep, and that was uh, that was your junior year, or yeah, I think I put up about twenty in that in that one. It was light, <laughs> it was a light contest for me, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, um, yeah, funny. I, I joke a lot. I'm a double double dropout, actually. Yeah, uh, my parents hate it. Uh, yes, they're okay with it now, but um, so after that first year, like what a lot of people don't realize is that first year, the reason I dropped out, people thought, oh, we're doing great, right? They see us on Instagram, whatever, they're doing great. So he can drop out, right? Because they have money and they can, you know, do that now and school doesn't matter. But no, it was like, 
it was 20 hours a day. We were producing the stuff ourselves. We were delivering it ourselves. We'd go home to take a nap, and then we'd go back to the stores to do pour samples and get people to try it. And that was all we did for the first year. So it was exhausting. It was just a lot. And logically, I was like, if I go back to school and Jake's going into his senior football season, there is no business, right? It's just going to be done. And I was so obsessed and, and into it. I was like, in, in a year or two from now, when Jake graduates, you know, he'll probably want to get a job on Wall Street coming out of Georgetown. I'll be a sophomore. So like that opportunity will be gone. And I bet another brand launches something pretty healthy and the, the opportunity will kind of close. So that's what led to that decision. But at the end of that year, where all three of us were kind of all in, Jake was getting ready to graduate now. So he was just finishing his senior year. He was coming on full time. We had just raised about a half a million dollars at the time. So we started to hire some people. So the grunt work, I thought, was really done. I thought like year one, we proved the concept. We raised the capital. We're hiring some people. My coach called me at the end of that year and was like, hey, what do I have to do to get you back? Because we want to win some games next year. And I was like, you know, I'll come back and we'll try to run the business. And I was, again, just being stupid. It's like, yeah, I'll do both. I'll run the business. You know, be starting point guard and we'll do this thing. And it turns out, you know, it just wasn't the case. Like I did as much as I could. It was just exhausting. Um, and I think it was just the wrong move to go back. It was a lot of fun. I loved I didn't really play a lot my freshman year. So it was great to go back and actually play and make an impact. Um, and, but Jake and Jim obviously were, were, you know, grinding and I felt pretty bad. Uh, but luckily, uh, where the story gets exciting is I got a, about halfway through that season, I get a call from uh, a Silicon Valley number uh, from San Francisco. And I answer the phone and I'm like, hey, you know, we're with the Peter Thiel Foundation. Do you know who Peter Thiel is? I'm like, you know, kind of. I saw like the movie Social Network. Wasn't he like the first investor in, mm-hmm. in Facebook? Uh, so they explained it that Peter Thiel started this fund where he would give uh, student entrepreneurs $100,000 to drop out to focus on their business. And they had seen Super Coffee. Um, you know, they kind of uh, thought it was a good concept. They're into health and wellness. So they offered me that scholarship. And for the second time, I had to tell my coaches at the end of that season that I wasn't coming back. So I decided to drop out again. And then that's when we get, it was simultaneously, we got invited to go on Shark Tank too. So it felt like, you know, things were on the up and up where I was dr- getting paid to drop out this time. So it was a lot more, a lot more logical. Uh, and we were getting ready to go on Shark Tank. So it was really exciting to drop out the second time, a lot less risk in my eyes. And that's when the business kind of started to, to take off a little bit. I think we're all college dropouts. Yeah, technically. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Just, a pod, just a podcast full of college dropouts. <laughs> How is it working with your brothers? Like, do you guys agree on most stuff like to lead the business in this direction or like to release this product? Or is there kind of like give and take involved? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, we're lucky in the sense that we're really close in age. So our perspective is, is pretty similar just on life in general. We're the same, you know, vision, values, um, really the same people, um, strong morals. But we have very different skill sets, too. Um, you know, a lot of similarities, obviously, but different skill sets, too. And early on, it was tough because we would bump heads a lot because all three of us were doing everything. Um, and the only good thing was that there was three of us. So it was really, you know two out of three on any, on any big decision. And that still helps sometimes in arguments. Um, but as the business grew, we were able to kind of figure out what we were good at, what we were, what we were bad at, right? It was our first time doing it. Um, so I kind of could focus on product development operations, even the people side of it. Jake could strictly focus on sales, kind of being the most extroverted, most high energy. Um, and then Jim kind of being the, the older brother that he is, more responsible, could just focus on raising money, making sure we were taken care of financially, legally, et cetera. Um, and that worked really well. And as you scale the business, you realize there's so much going on at all times. You know, and the trust between us is so strong. We don't need to connect or even talk too much throughout the week. Well, we have Monday morning meetings together. We have leadership meetings with our, our senior leadership team once per week. And then we have Friday morning meetings. And that's all we really talk. Um, and we're aligned on strategy. We're aligned on vision. Obviously, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat, right? So we, we don't really talk about how we're going to get there most of the time. Um, but we trust each other and we trust our teams to, to make the right decisions. And we're going to fail uh, a lot, but we, well, we learn a lot. So I think we've kind of gotten to a groove now where we can, we can work together really well. There's still some arguments here and there, but um, nowhere near as bad as it was yeah. early on. I bet. Like you said uh, about culture, you know, like having a good team, a strong team, you know, everybody pulling in the right direction. You know, it's really not surprising to see all you guys, you know, you guys are three of the people, three of the hardest working people, you know, that we've all, that I've been around at least, you know, like 
applying, you know, your athletic background, like how easy is it to make, you know, a good, a good and, you know, working environment where everybody is pulling the rope in the same direction? Yeah, I think there's um, a big difference or the, the one main difference, I think, between sports um, and business that we're learning um, in terms of like leadership is like one, yes, you have to work hard, right? Everybody has to, to work hard if you're going to be good in sports or in, in business. But one thing that is a little bit different that we learned the hard way, I think, is that the higher up in the organization you are, the more you need to make winning about other people, the more you need to make it about, you know, your teams. Whereas like if you're LeBron James, it's all about LeBron James. And I think he's done a really good job though, of bringing people up with him. And that's what led to the Lakers championship last year. Uh, but I think for us, we learned like, look, we can, you know, Jimmy, Jake and Jordan can't do everything. We might be willing to work the hardest, but we're certainly not the smartest. Um, so if we can really help and enable the people around us, hire people who are smarter than us, let them make decisions, let them build their own teams and make sure the culture is right. And then we're adding people with, with great values to the team. Um, that's the most important thing to us. And I think, though, um, you got to put the ego Got to put the ego aside, right? You have to be really clear about your purpose, right? Why you're doing it. It's not about selling coffee to make money. It's about creating a product that'll help people live better lives. Um, you know, the vision is you actually have to believe that you're going to be, you know, a global company that makes a global impact because people want to work for companies with big dreams. They want to, you know, you know, great people don't want to work for small regional companies. They want to work for big companies. Um, and they get excited about growing something from the, from the ground up, doing something authentic. So all these things we kind of learn along the way. And then just really, again, like there's a great book called what you do is who you are by Ben Horowitz. And that's how you build a culture. And it starts at the top, um, in terms of how you act, how you treat each other, the people that you hire, the people that you fire, everything you do sends a message, sends a message. Everything you do has meaning as a leader. Um, so you have to be really careful and methodical about, um, even how you how you talk to your direct reports in public versus in private, right? Like you do have to carry yourself a certain way if you want people to act that way. And I think our culture has really been about selfless teamwork, um, working hard and being nice is something that we always say. You can't have one without the other, um, but you actually have to surround yourself with people who believe it and live it every day. And as soon as somebody's not doing that or doesn't believe in it, um, you got to let them go because those people – uh, unfortunately, will ruin the culture. You, we've all had that teammate, mm-hmm. um, no matter how good they were, right? They could be a great, you know, athlete. Um, if they were in the starting five and they were all about themselves and they talked back to the coach, uh, it kind of ripped you apart inside. It's the same thing in an organization, uh, but it's a lot harder to find those people. You know, we're over 100 full time now. Um, and that's why it's so important to make sure every hire, the hiring process, you got to stop it there. You can only let good people into the organization. Obviously, you're going to make mistakes, but. Um, you got to trust your team to, to find the bad performers and, and get them out. Speaking of hiring people, I had one of my boys apply to you guys. You guys are ready to hire him, and he doesn't take the job. So now I'm my word is ruined from you guys. Oh no, it's all good. It happens. It happens a lot. And I think that was at a stage too, where like again, we were just hiring, looking to hire salespeople. And I, I think um, it's not for everybody too. I think you know we're, we ask a lot of people, especially early on, was you know, you're going to work harder and make less. Right. Uh, but the benefit where we make up for that is with stock in the company. And we believe over time, right, that that, that stock can be worth a lot more than maybe a couple thousand bucks that you'll make, you know, in your paycheck uh, for this year. And not everybody's willing to do that. I send him an article every day whenever I see something of you guys. He's like, yeah, I know. I fucking know. I fucked up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's, it's part of the game. Though. And I think that's what makes business really fun, too, um, is that, you know, ultimately, if it is you know, a team sport and it is, everybody believes in the long-term opportunity and they're not too focused on their, their, you know, annual salary. We got to talk about Ian. You guys might have beef. You're, connect, are, you're a connect roasters guy. So I started with a coffee company in March of, of this year during the, uh, during the pandemic, we started, with a coffee that is called quarantine coffee that does it, there's a give back model for um, COVID relief. And so we're doing pods and ground coffee. So we're direct competitors. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. It's tough. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love that. I think the give back models are awesome. You know, there's a ton of great brands doing a lot of good things uh, with that model. And uh, it's great to see it in coffee and coffee is a fun space to be in. Right. I think like it's one of the, consumer packaged goods categories where like you can be a regional brand and you can do really well, you know, margins, especially in pods and grounds are pretty high. 
um, and a couple of good retailers that you get in, you know, you can move a lot of volume and obviously online too, um, especially this year, ground and pod sales have gone through the roof online. So I'm the, the thing that I've learned about the food and beverage space early on, especially with like exploring, uh, you know, ready to drink cold brew. And it's just, it's so competitive and the costs are high and, shelf space like the entire thing before you get into it it's like this sexy you're gonna have a ready to drink beverage it's everyone's gonna love it but the logistics of it i can't imagine being straight out of college and trying to get into that marketplace like yeah no it was horrible i i think um you know it's a great great first company right great great lesson we love it and we're 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 different enough to to stand out the brand obviously the name super coffee helps a lot um, you know, the products evolve and taste great. And we have pods, grounds, obviously now and creamers. So we've kind of diversified. Um, but it is hard. And like, we're not a profitable business. We're growing extremely fast and we can raise a lot of capital, but you need a lot of capital. I mean, we've raised now, um, you know, close to $60 million over the past five years. Um, you know, we'll do close to a hundred million in sales in 2021, um, and still lose money. Um, so again, I think the end game, you know, ultimately why in food and beverage, you see a lot of companies end up selling to a larger company because they have those economies of scale where, you know, we're relying on a manufacturer that we, you know, that we have to pay a premium for. We have distributors. We signed on with Anheuser-Busch this year. They need to make their margin. Retailers need to make their margin. And somehow, right, with all these pieces, I need to compete with Starbucks at 249 to 299 on the shelf. It just doesn't just doesn't make sense from a profitability standpoint. Now we've done things to get better and get more profitable, but ultimately those big brands, they have the manufacturing, they have the distribution, they can make a lot more money uh, on the brand than we can. But if we can prove that we have a product and brand that customers really love because they're not willing to, to pay $2.99 for Starbucks with 40 grams of sugar, they want super coffee, then ultimately, you know, an acquisition makes sense. Um, even an IPO now for food and beverage companies makes sense yeah. where they can use that capital to invest in their own production equipment. And in, in your last round, you guys brought in some athletes, right? Is that, is that the first athletes that came in? Yeah, we've, we've had some, some smaller, some smaller athletes the past few years, um, just organically kind of come on board. And as we've scaled, we've kind of had a few more reach out and it's always tough. Like we want obviously to partner with, with great athletes and, and great people, but we don't want to isolate the brand to just athletes being three athlete founders, right? We coffee is a much broader opportunity, so we want to be cognizant of that. Um, and at the same time, we want to make deals with with people who match our values, um, love the product, um, aren't just great athletes, but then also where we can actually make a good business deal. And Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez invested in our Series B um, round of fun, fundraising, and it wasn't, you know, it was a great deal for us, right? They were willing to invest. They shared the vision. They love coffee. It's a very authentic relationship. We're not paying them millions of dollars to do it. Um, so it's really no skin off our back other than, you know, they got a, they got a you know good deal on their investment. But that's ultimately all it was. And we love those types of deals. So if an athlete is willing to invest and we have a connection, um, we'll open up a round or set aside availability for them to invest. But that's really the only special right we'll give um, for athletes at this at this stage. Um, I think, you know, it's a lot of brands, especially in our space, unless you're like Gatorade or something, you're not getting a lot of return um, in the space from from athletes posting or doing something. Uh, and we kind of learned that early on, too, from a lot of good brands. Yeah, you guys had plenty of brand awareness, right? You didn't need to go out and pay somebody a shit ton of money just to just to get the brand out there. It was already out there. Yeah, exactly. And I think what we're learning, too, now, right, is social media is getting really crowded. Um, so, again, like you know, we'll post something, um, it's hot for a day and then it's gone, right? Like we saw it with JLo and obviously we'll, we'll be doing bigger campaigns and building off of it even more and incorporating other athletes, but it just gets really expensive. That model gets really expensive and we'd rather invest that capital in great employees, right? In, in great, uh, in-store campaigns where we can drive trial in the stores. And that's why COVID hurt us the most. Um, you know, people obviously foot traffic was down, but 80% of our sales come from stores and our biggest marketing expense was pouring samples, even since day one, because we knew that if we could get people to try the product, again, not everybody was going to love it, but more people love it than they hate it. Uh, and it's much better for you than anything that's out on the market. And it's the cost the same. We know the category is big. 
and people want iced coffee. So it was a great marketing strategy, but that's where COVID kind of hurt us is sampling had stopped in all stores and it still stopped. So now we're trying to get a little bit more creative and supplement that and e-commerce is obviously up a lot, but ultimately, you know, the business um, won't reach its potential until we can get behind demo tables and start pouring samples again. That was Jordan DeSico, Zach's best friend, who would stomp him on the basketball court. <laughs> He's very confident that he would just smash you down on the basketball court. I am confident he would, too. I'm I'll say the fact, the fact that Zach agreed with him shows me how good that kid is, because Zach would defend his basketball talents up against LeBron if it came down to it. That's not true. My point. Not all of my basketball talents. Shooting, I would, I'd get it up there. But no, he uh, that dude was literally one of the hardest – he was the hardest worker I've ever met in my entire life. Like those stories of like Kobe, like waking up at three in the morning and you go to the gym, like he would, he would say, Hey, let's go shoot before school at like five thirty, six o'clock or whatever. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. And I get there and he's soaked already. And it's like, it's not surprising that he's doing so well in something like this. Cause once he puts the mind to something, it's, it's done. He, the way that he spoke about the business and like the passion that he had for the culture that they're creating, that was Really cool to see. I have spoke with some founders of companies, but like the way that he talked about the like just how ingrained he is in the business and their what they're him and his brothers are doing. That's that's really cool. What he did in college of like creating a product and dropping out is like the coolest story I've ever heard. He was selling it to students. Like he would just go around and say, "Here, I got healthy coffee, five bucks," and he would just blend it in his room with a blender. I can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine like coming home to your roommate just like blending coffee and be like, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? And then five years later, he's his company's worth $200 million and A-Rod and J-Lo have invested. And you're like, well, maybe I'm the idiot. Zach, I need you to be smart enough to do that, okay? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's start uh, cooking some stuff up. We can make some sort of like sandwich or something that's never been created. I don't know. Yeah. Why don't we eat with something with them? Let's not forget that the compound is a Connect Roasters podcast. Okay, I don't know. We Connect Roasters. I don't know. That's more of an Ian thing. I don't. Me and Zach yeah, are free agents. Hey, hey, hey. I don't know them. I could go either way. Dakota, come on, come on over. I might be a super coffee. I'm the free agent here. Zach's basically a super coffee guy because that's his buddy. Yep. I don't know. Dakota's, on, East, Dakota's on Eastern Standard Time, so. Because I'll tell you what, I've had Super Coffee. I've never had Connect. Never been offered Connect for me. And wow, that's sad. Wow. That's really up. sad. What do you? What do you? What are you drinking in the mornings? Are you a? Are you a ground coffee guy in the mornings, Dakota? Oh no, we got K cups here. No, never has been. Never will be. No. We got. Well, I go to Starbucks a lot on my way home from the gym. Weird brag. I work out. Um, but if I don't go to Starbucks, then I. Uh, if I get hot coffee, I make it at home. If I want cold brew, I go to Starbucks. Connect, uh, connect, uh, roasters, quarantine coffee pods are out now. So maybe, maybe you'll have a box in the mail, huh? Hey, I bought, if you send me some, I will 100% drink them. I bought some ground coffee from Connect Roasters. It was good. Very good. Thanks, Zach. Super coffee, Zach. Next question. I have only tried super coffees ready to drink the one like that yeah. we got in, in Arizona. I haven't tried the, I think their, their pods and their ground coffee are new. So I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. They, um, uh, when in 17, when they came home from something, whatever, they gave me like three huge boxes and it lasted me so long. It was just so convenient just to literally wake up in the morning, go to the fridge, undo it. Okay, good. Going to the gym. I did. I did really enjoy it in Arizona just being able to. I like hot coffee, but like for a little afternoon coffee boost. Right. Can we talk about Boog, please? That's friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Dom texted me this morning. For, I don't know how... Who are his sources? I, need I don't know who his source. I don't know how he knows things before things happen. But like knowing a play-by-play signing, that's a funny – like how does he know that? I don't know. Is he friends Boog? with Tom Ricketts? I don't know. Boog is our friend. Okay. Yeah. We yes. had him on the pod. He was our third episode. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell us. Well, also, Sal, Ian, this, you should have beef with Sal. Sal said he's known for a while. And so, he couldn't tell us. He could have told Ian. Yeah, right. But then Ian would have told us, and then when I got back to Sal, Ian Sal wouldn't have told uh, I wouldn't have told you guys. I don't even like you. See, that was a trap. That was now a, you're lying. That Sal, was, 
That was a trick. That was a setup because I knew you wouldn't have told us and I wanted the people to hear that's what kind of boss we have. Somebody who doesn't share what's going on. Or like us. He said he doesn't even like us. I heard that. I am so excited for this. I am so excited. Boog is the man. He is my favorite guy to listen to on a broadcast. I don't watch a ton of baseball during the baseball season. I will watch Sunday Night Baseball because he's when he is on. I just want it to be known I'm playing hurt the rest of this episode. I just bit my lip. Everyone's playing hurt this time of year, and I'm battling through it. But, yes, I'm very excited for Boog to be on because he was hilarious on our episode, and he's one of my favorite voices. Oh, my God. Like, I remember we stayed up to watch KBO when he was yep. announcing the KBO games. He yeah. was such a fan of us, too. He shouted at us. Well, Ian was playing in the playoffs. But anyway, he found time to talk about the Compound Podcast in the MLB playoffs. He did, and he did it in the he did it in the KBO playoffs. He did it in the MLB playoffs. I don't know if the playoffs, but the KBO regular season. He's giving us some shout outs. He's a friend of the pod. We'll definitely have him on again. Oh, um, yeah. And so I'm so pumped that he's going to be. He's a New York guy, so like him moving from like leaving New York to come to Chicago, it's a big deal. And he left ESPN because he. Because he knows it's different in Chicago, and he's excited. I, Dom's tweets were killing me today. He was so pumped about it. Um, but huge shout out to Boog Shiambi. I am pumped. That's so we got to get him on before the season starts, yes. or even in season. But we maybe in maybe in Arizona. Maybe in Arizona, we'll Ooh, if we he's down there. Person interview. I, I don't know what the I don't know what the rules are going to be, but if if he's down there, we will definitely we'll do sit it. Eight feet apart, not even six feet. Eight feet. Eight feet. This has been episode 44. What else do you have to say? What about our screen times? Screen time, shoot. Because I like to see, I like to know. I still get screen time sent to me on Twitter from people. Yep. Oh, boys, you're not beating me today. This is Thank such a Hey, nope. Turn your, turn your PlayStation on right now. Nope. You can do, oh, yep. I got a pretty good one. I got a pretty good one. Dakota, I told you we were going to do this. Do it. Uh, I would, but that would take too long, and the episode would be over by then, and our fans aren't going to wait that long. And we can't you edit. Sorry, are disgusting. Wish we could. Hour forty-two, baby. Wow. Hour forty-two. <laughs> I have wait. I'll go next. I'll go next. I have two hours and nine minutes, Zach. No, I'm not saying mine because Dakota's not playing by the rules. <laughs> he says that video games. Okay, Zach. Let's count the amount of times you stared, at, looked at a TV today. I haven't. I mean, it's not just any screen. Nope. Because you manipulate it because you know we're recording and you say, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm playing PlayStation and that's my screen time. I don't manipulate. I just don't look at my phone because no one wants to talk. And that's episode 44. Why are you making fun of me that no one wants to talk to me so I don't need to look at my phone? Brought to you by Parse Rum. When I say Parse, you say Rum. I'm not saying it to you. Only Ian can say Parse. I don't answer to you. Zach, what's your time? Come on. Tell the the viewers what to know. 350. (laughs) Oh, that's not even bad. Bullshit. That's actually a pretty good time for you. Usually you're in like the sevens. Because I hit for a while today. Thanks. I think he's mad that it's 350 because he's like, oh, 350, like I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, and we you know what? So I don't low. manipulate it. I respect the game. Dakota, did you know that when you have a bottle of Parse, a tree is planted in Colombia? I did know that. I've also drank some Parse over the holiday season, and it has been splendid. I have been uh, getting into my package from – uh, Parse. I love them. They're the best sponsor ever. Go get your Parse Robin Binnies. We'll be back next week with episode 45. We don't know if we have a guest yet. That's episode 44. TBD. The regular episode. episode. This has been episode 44 of the Compound Podcast presented by Parse Robin.